0: This morning, Lord, we join with the infants and the children and all those who sang Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Thank you, Derek, Rick, Danny. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Uh, Thank you for coming in today. Um, Pastor Jeff, Christina, thank you for being with us this morning and uh, sacrificing your time to come out. I want to thank all of you uh, who are watching this morning for joining us, continuing to support us despite the fact that We are not together in person. I thank you for your continued and ongoing support, your love, your tithes and offerings which continue to come in. Thank you so much for that. We are eternally grateful. You know, it's taken, and I say this with a a light heart, um, it has taken us a global pandemic to finally get up to speed on this technology. Hopefully, we will be soon live streaming. This is going to be a recording that you guys are seeing. But it's all good. Uh, It's better that we've joined the party late than never have joined the party at all. Uh, And so we're really grateful. We were joking last week that maybe we'll create a bloopers reel of all of the mistakes that we've made uh, in setting this up and getting this done. So we just thank you guys for your patience as we kind of figure this technology out and uh, try to bring you uh, home the uh, the best quality audio and video that we possibly can so thank you so much I'm really excited um, to be with you guys again Uh, it's always hard for me to follow um, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Jim DiBiazzo they are great speakers uh, and amazing preachers uh, expository preachers of the word and I appreciate them so much it's always hard for me to, to follow those amazing men of God but I'll do my best today I'm really excited again to be with you with a heart full of joy. But as I pray, it's a heart full of sorrow as well. There's so much going on in the world right now. And frankly, some of us just don't know which end is up. So many of us are dealing with the um, consequences of this pandemic, this COVID-19 virus, which is probably affecting every part of our lives today. Some of us aren't even working right now. Uh, some of us might even be struggling to put food on the table. As a side note, if that's you watching this video, if you're struggling with basic necessities and trying to put food on the table, please contact the church office. Please let Pastor Ryan know. Uh, we are distributing food um, every Tuesday and so uh, through a ministry that we're partnering with. So if you need something, please. Please let us know There's uh, I, I saw an article the other day Of a wife who Sadly lost her husband Of oh, 42 years old to this virus And there's so many what, There's so many questions There's so many doubts And people are just asking themselves Or saying to themselves rather than no, no, This just isn't fair That life Isn't fair and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Today, I want to talk to you about learning to overcome the harsh realities and truths that we're confronted with every day when we say the statement that life isn't fair. You know, my, when my girls were really small, and many of you know my daughters, Jesse and Marlene, who are now tw- uh, 30, 29 and 30 respectively. Um, They're 18 months apart. Jesse's a July baby. Marlene is a December baby. Uh, When they were younger, I I always had to buy them the same thing at the same time when they were younger. And, And why, you might ask. And anybody who has multiple children already knows the answer to this question why did you have to buy your daughters the same things at the same time well anyone who parents little girls knows you're accustomed to hearing daddy that just ain't fair why did she or he get that and i didn't it's just not fair if i had a dollar for every time i heard life or daddy that's not fair if i had a dollar for every time i heard that statement i would probably be a very rich man And any parent in the room understands that, and you too probably would be rich as well. It's probably a, huh, me too kind of moment. But, you know, in this, everyone's a winner, everybody gets a trophy kind of world, it really doesn't help with this at all. So, you know, my typical response, and maybe I'm a bit insensitive, maybe it's just the old salty marine in me, but my response typically to this is, you better get over it because life isn't fair. You, you better learn to get used to it because that's life. Now, again, maybe that's just my response to try to, to, to shut them down and to keep them quiet. But if, if I can be really honest, guys, I'm struggling with that, too. I'm struggling with life not being fair. And to be honest with you, we don't have to really look very far. I mean, all you have to do is just look around you in the world right now. There are bad things happening to good people and there are good things happening to bad people every single day. Just look at it to the world. You see car accidents that happen where the one innocent person that's driving dies and the drunk driver lives without a scratch. We're living in a world right now where someone who you loved and confided in betrays you and hurts you, leaves you broken, and yet they're thriving. We're living in a world where little kids just get cancer. The manipulator at the office gets a promotion when the hardworking, dedicated person seems to get passed over and phased out. We're living in a world right now where you might be unemployed or underemployed through no fault of your own. We're living in a world where sickness awaits us at every turn. Life isn't fair. And so what do we do? When the cards that life is dealing out to us and is asking us to play just isn't fair. What do we do? How do we overcome our path of difficulty and hardship when the road that we're traveling just seems to go from bad to worse? That's what I want to talk to you about today in the time that we have left. How do we overcome that? Let's go to our Bibles today. Those of you who are with us this morning, if you open your word, whether electronic or your physical scripture, and those of you at home, you can turn your text today. We're going to read from two different passages today. We're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 26, and we're also going to read from Luke chapter 22. We're going to bounce back between those two chapters. So if you'll open your Bible there, we're going to actually start in Matthew 26. We're going to be in verse 36. We're going to start in verse 36. We're actually going to read to verse 39. Thank you, Lord, for the reading and revelation of your word. Amen. Starting in verse 36 of Matthew 26, it reads, Then Jesus came with them, to a place called Gethsemane, Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, And fell on his face and prayed. Saying. My father. If it is possible. Let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will. But as you will. You know one of the things that I really love. About the gospels. Is how each of the gospel authors. Paint a different portrait. Of the life the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. They look at these stories and many parallel stories in these gospels from a different angle, from a different lens, from a different perspective, from a slightly different focus. Now we're going to switch to the gospel of Luke, according to Luke 22, because Luke's Account Of this exact event This exact moment His perspective Is a little more tightly focused On Jesus In this moment So let's watch how Luke describes this Same event in chapter 22 Starting in verse 39 And he came out And proceeded As was his custom to the Mount of Olives And the disciples also followed him When he arrived at that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. He knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying ever very fervently, And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. So let me give you the context. Let me give you the background. You see, in this text, before we read these passages, what's happening in the text is that Jesus just finished the Last Supper. He just finished giving the disciples his body and his blood through the symbolic bread and the wine that he passed to his disciples. After the Last Supper, he took all of his disciples and he walked with them across the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was here that Jesus took the eleven. Judas had already departed to betray Jesus as he had foretold. And he walked into the garden with the eleven. But he drops off eight of them at the gate. And he takes with him just the three. His inner circle of inner circles, he took with him Peter, James, and John. The three who were closest to Jesus went into the garden with him. The scripture tells us that Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow. And he asked his closest disciples, he says, pray and keep watch. I'm going to go on a little further, alone to pray with my father. And Jesus' prayer, if we look at the summation of all the gospels, Jesus' prayer goes a little something like this. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Can't we do this another way? Can we just, Father, can we just change the plan? And if we can be really honest, we've all been there. Some are in that place right now. That's why it's so important for us to see this and see the importance of this passage that when the road gets rough, and for many of us it is right now, You're ready And here's what I want you to learn And this is our first point today I want you to take from this passage that we just read That God expects And welcomes Our questions And doubts So many of us think that If we have questions, if we have fears If we have doubts So many of us think that we're bad Christians And that's so not biblical God actually wants and welcomes our thoughts, concerns. He wants all of it. This moment that we read in this passage is so intense for Jesus. And how do we know that? The great physician that is Luke in this text, Luke being the Gentile physician that he was, captured this detail unlike any of the other gospel writers. And Luke captures the fact that Jesus' sweat drops Blood. This was Luke's uh, interpretation of what we know clinically to be uh, hydro. I'm sorry, it's um, uh, hemotydrosis. And so, to my clinical people out there and in the room, please forgive me if I said that word incorrectly, but that's the medical condition in which Jesus was suffering. Science tells us that this only happens under the most extreme physical and emotional stressful situations. So no doubt, our Lord and Savior was clearly in great distress in ways that words cannot capture. He clearly sees the pain before him. Jesus can see and already knows that he is on the path to the cross. He knows that he's going to be beaten. He knows he's going to be tortured. He knows he's going to be hung on the cross to die. And yes, although he questioned, ultimately he conceded. He conceded his desires. He conceded his wants to the desires of the Father. He says, your will be done. Now, I don't want you to miss this because I think this is very important in the text. Before he says, your will be done, he actually asks a question. He says, is there any other way? Is there another way around this? Is there another way out of this, God? Is there another cup that I can drink from here to accomplish your task? Jesus doesn't deserve this. He's completely and totally innocent. What's getting ready to happen here in the text, beloved, is totally and completely unfair. So here's a question. When life isn't fair, will you respond like Jesus? Or you will you respond like the character Scar from the movie The Lion King? If you've ever seen that movie, scar was always a victim scar believed that life was unfair he whined and he complained he schemed and scar tried to take things into his own hands on the other hand jesus here he doesn't take things in his own hands it's not his own desire what jesus does is jesus goes to the father and he asks is there another way And when you read this text, I think it is so obvious, beloved, that the God welcomes his question. And he welcomes ours, too. That in the midst of these unfair situations, God isn't running from our questions. He's welcoming them. See, our challenge is not God being okay with our questions Because God is absolutely okay with our questions The far greater challenge is us being okay with the answers I don't want you to miss this Because Jesus doesn't get the answer that he's looking for here in the text As a matter of fact, he really doesn't get an answer from God at all But what God does do is He sends Jesus an angel to comfort him, to give him strength to continue. I want you to think about that for a minute. I just want you to let that sit in your brain for a moment. See, when we get no answer from God or we get a no answer from God, where does that leave us? Where does that place our hearts? If we're really transparent It's going to leave us feeling like God just isn't there It's going to leave us feeling Like God has abandoned us Like he really doesn't care Have you ever in your life Or maybe right now Concluded That God isn't there And based on his response Or his lack of response To your prayers That he just doesn't care Isn't it easy to go there Isn't it easy to feel that, to be in that place? See, here's the thing, guys. Jesus knows the rest of the story, and yet, even though he knows the rest of the story, he still goes to his father and he asks for a different plan. We don't know the end. We don't know the path. So if God was okay with Jesus' question when he knew the path, he knew the end, how much more would he welcome your questions when you don't know? He understands. He understands that we don't understand. Don't believe me. Just go go to the Old Testament and read what God says to Isaiah in Isaiah 55. When God tells Isaiah that my ways are not your ways. God says that my thoughts are not your thoughts. God understands that we don't understand. So, why won't God just change the plan? Why won't God just change the circumstances? Hopefully this moment in Scripture helps us all with that. That He didn't even do that for his only begotten son. He didn't change the plan that he had even for his perfect, innocent and holy son. He didn't change the plan. The big part of overcoming all of this and this challenge is recognizing that just like in this moment with Jesus... Overcoming is not always getting the answer that we're looking for. Sometimes it's just getting the comfort and the strength that we need to walk in it and to walk through it. Well, let's pick up the story again. Let's go back to Matthew and let's pick up in verse 40. We're going to read 40 through 46. Let's read that together. And he came out to the disciples and found them sleeping. And said to Peter So you men Could not keep watch with me For one hour Keep watching and praying That you may not enter into temptation The spirit is willing But the flesh is weak He went away again a second time And prayed saying Father if this cannot pass away Unless I drink it Your will be done Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's be going. Behold. The one who betrays me is at hand. Beloved, in this text, Jesus doesn't hesitate to continue to come to the Father. Even after his first initial prayer, he did not fail to come to the Father with his continued wants, desires, and his desperate needs. And quite frankly, neither should we. But there's something else here that I I want you to pay attention to. There's something else here in the scripture. See, Jesus takes his heart and his desires to the Father, not once, not twice, but in this passage, three times. And on three different occasions, he returns back to his friends. And where does he find? He finds them fast asleep. What's up with that? These are supposed to be the guys who are the cream of the crop. This is the pick of the litter, Peter, James, and John, and they're asleep on the job. I mean, if he has told them that he is overwhelmed with sorrow, and yet their fatigue tends to trump his sorrow, not once, not twice, but three times. It's a disappointing moment in this text. It's a disappointing moment that I think points to something very interesting. It points to the thing that I want you to understand today, and this is point two, that we must understand the limitations of people around us. See, Jesus in this text clearly states three times the, the, his statement to these, uh, th- these guys that were near him. Again, they were the inner circle. Guys, you got to remember in scripture, these were the same three guys that were with Jesus in his transfiguration. These were the same guys that were on the mountaintop with him when he was speaking to Moses and Elijah. These were the same three guys that were with him and only these three when he raised the little girl from the dead. So Jesus wanted these guys close to him, but he also understood their limitations. We have all had moments in our lives where we were in great need, where we needed someone, we needed a person who we thought we could depend on only to be disappointed by that person, either by their response or their lack of response. Unfortunately, people disappointing us and hurting us will always be a part of this journey. It will always be a part of our walk with the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting that we give up on people. Far from it. I'm the last person who would ever suggest to give up on people. People are my thing. We shouldn't give up. But what we should understand are their limitations, the limitations of the people around us. Let me give you a quick illustration. One of the biggest challenges that I had when i was leading the small house church a house to house ministries before i came to emmanuel was towards the end of that journey it was filled with disappointing and hurting people it became a regular part of my job and let me explain to you what i mean when i say that at its peak during that point in my ministerial career I was teaching three Bible studies a week, leading a worship service, and conducting a Sunday uh, 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 prayer and worship service. We were doing that every single week. Not to include the emergency calls, discipleship, individual calls, you name it, the counseling calls. I, I, I just didn't have time. And if I can confess, I'm not, or I wasn't at least very good at saying no. And so it got to the point where I began to sacrifice my family at the altar of ministry. And I knew that that wasn't God's order. I had to step back and begin to say no. I had to step back and know my limitations and I needed people to understand my limitations as well. I could not sustain that for very long and still work a full-time job and be present and be engaged with my wife and my children. I just couldn't. I needed people to understand my limitations. Some people got it. Many didn't. And I give you that illustration today because I too want you to recognize the limitations of those people around you. As Jesus recognized the limitations of his disciples. Understanding the limitation of people will help us to avoid sliding them into places and spaces that only God can really fill. And Jesus knew that jesus understood that idea he understood the limitations of his disciples no one can ever do what god can do no one can ever fill what god can fill no one can ever bring what god can bring and jesus recognized the limitation of these three men the inner circle of inner circles at their very best they could only take jesus so far It was only the father himself in the text who was able to help Jesus overcome the things that he was facing and that he was about to face in that difficult moment in his life. It wasn't his friends, his closest friends. It wasn't anyone. And that's the lesson for you. That in these difficult moments of hardship, of loss, of lack, of all of those things, it is only God Almighty Himself who can help take you through that place, not your friends or family, for they too, like the disciples, have limitations. And it's true. All of our lives and stories too are filled with this example. And if we really want to overcome it, it's important That we recognize the limitations of those around us. Let's go back to the text. Let's go to Luke. Again, let's go back to Luke 22. We're going to read 47 through 51. Again, Luke 22, 47 through 51. And it reads, While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came. The one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Let's finish where we started. Let's go back to Matthew 26. We'll read in verse 52 in Matthew 26. Again, starting in verse 52, it reads, Then Jesus said to him, to Peter, Put your sword back in its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think I can't appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Beloved, That 72,000 angels. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must happen? At this time, Jesus said to the crowd, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Now watch this. And then all the disciples left him and fled. In this text, Jesus said, looks up and he puts the ear back on the one who's there to arrest him the one who was against Jesus Jesus looked up he placed his hand over his right ear and he healed the man who was there to arrest him but the people closest to him including the three who were the inner circle of the inner circle they were all gone They ran away. When things really got hot, they took off. Now here Jesus stands with these men who are arresting him, with one of his 12 who has betrayed him. He's totally and completely alone and innocent. He's falsely accused, he's chained up, and he's being led away to be tried, to be convicted, to be tortured, to be beaten, and ultimately to be hung on the cross for something that he didn't deserve and for something that he did not do. And if we really want to talk about the ultimate life is not fair moments, that's it right here. See, the plan hasn't changed for Jesus, despite his petitions. The plan hasn't changed. Things are going to get a lot worse in this passage, in this text, before they ever get any better. And if we, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we want to overcome and be overcomers in this world, where life just isn't fair, there's a very important thing that I want us to take away from this passage, and this is our final point today plans seldom make sense in the midst of the pain despite Jesus' foreknowledge of everything that was about to happen despite his understanding of the end he still struggled with the plan in the midst of the pain so wouldn't it make sense for those of us who don't know the end for us to struggle too in the midst of the pain I'll give you a quick illustration of what I mean Back in 2005, I was um, attempting to start my own business. And I knew I needed a business plan. So I found someone that I believed to be reputable and could write me a business plan. I gave this woman $1,500 up front. And so a month goes by. I didn't hear anything from her. After countless emails... Countless phone calls. A month later, I didn't have my plan or my money. A couple weeks later, I received a letter in the mail addressed from this woman who was writing my business plan. And the letter, in short, said, I'm sorry, I can't finish your plan now. And your money's already been spent. But she vowed at the end of the letter, somehow, some way to return those funds to me. Now her vow offered me very little solace in the midst of my financial loss and my emotional pain that now my business plan wasn't going to happen. So let's fast forward a year. It's now 2006. Now the 2006, 2008 timeframe was a rough period for a lot of people. I happened to be unemployed at that point in 2006. I remember sitting at my dining room table not knowing how I was going to pay the mortgage that month. And I'm sitting there with my, my face in my hands. Just trying to figure it out. So I thought I'd just go collect the mail out of the mailbox that day. And when you know it. I see an envelope in the mail. Addressed from the business plan writer. I open the letter. Or the envelope rather. And there were, I found two things in the envelope. One was a check, the other was a post-it note. And all it read was, I'm sorry this took so long. You want to take a guess how much my mortgage was at that time? It was $1,500. Why do I say that? Why do I share with you that story? Because, beloved, we don't understand the plan in the midst of the pain. I didn't understand in that moment why God, when I was working so hard, when I was being so diligent, why God would allow me to lose this money. I could not understand his plan in the midst of the pain. His plan made no sense to me. And for many of you today who are struggling, you're hurting, maybe you're sick, you're unemployed, you name it, you fill in the blank. Maybe his plan just isn't making sense right now. And it seldom does, if we can be honest. See, my own experience has taught me that the plan doesn't make sense in the midst of the pain. But what I realized is, when God's plan doesn't seem clear in the windshield of life, it's always crystal clear in the rearview mirror. It's always crystal clear in the rearview mirror. The problem and the challenge that faces us in our journey today is that the, the journey from confusion to clarity requires trust. So here's the question. Is the bigger problem in our life that the issues that we face really is it that life isn't fair? Or is it that We really don't trust God to see us through it. Now, I know that's a difficult question to challenge ourselves with. But is it really that life is unfair? Or is it more that you don't really trust God to get you through it? That maybe you just think that this problem is too big for him. Maybe you feel like he just won't work it out the way you want him to work it out. So let's finish with this today. Let's finish with this text. I want to turn or ask you to turn really quickly with me to the fourth chapter of Philippians. Pastor Ryan did an amazing four-part series uh, during uh, his last preaching rotation on the book of Philippians. And and I just want to take from a a couple of verses here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And seven, in this text, it reads this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Present your request to God, and he will change your circumstances. That's not what the scripture says. I added that last part, and he will change your circumstances, because to be honest, that's what we want it to say. We want it to say, present your request to God, and He will change your circumstances, but unfortunately, that's not what it says that's not what he does necessarily. See the promise. Is not a plan with less pain. You know, there are a lot of teachers and preachers out there in the prosperity gospel community who will tell you that God wants a plan for you, that he has a plan for you to prosper you and only prosper you, and that you will live a life full of abundance if you will just give more. That's not the gospel. That's not what the Bible tells us. God doesn't promise us a journey, a plan with less pain. What he does promise us is peace in the midst of the pain. God didn't change the plan for Jesus. What he did was he sent angels to care for him and to strengthen him. God doesn't promise to change your circumstances. He doesn't promise to change the plan. But he does promise to strengthen you. He promises to give you peace. He promises us the ability to be overcomers. God is totally okay today with your questions. He's okay with your doubts, your concerns, even your fears and anxieties. God is totally okay with it. So let's pray for the story to change. That's okay. Jesus petitioned God to change the plan three times. So let us continue to pray for the change. But in the meantime, whether he does or doesn't change the plan, in the meantime, more importantly, let us continue to lean and to press hard into God's promise of strength, his promise of peace in the midst of the pain. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much today for opening up your amazing word and revealing these timeless truths to your people today. Father, I, we thank you with all of our hearts for welcoming our questions for being a good Abba, for being a good daddy, and for listening to the prayers and the concerns, the questions, the uncertainty of your children. Thank you for seeing our limitations. Thank you for seeing and understanding how weak we are. Lord Jesus, we thank you for taking on this flesh, this weak flesh. We thank you for taking it on. For now we know that we have a great intercessor and high priest in you who understands our hunger, who understands our thirst, who understands our sorrow and our pain. Thank you for understanding our limitations today. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you help us to make sense of it all. That in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of our unemployment, in the midst of our financial lacking, in the midst of our hunger, Father, I pray that you help us to see through it and get us through it, even when it doesn't make sense. Will you dispatch legions of angels over us today? For only one purpose, that Lord, we may be strengthened enough to get to tomorrow. And then tomorrow, we'll worry about the next day. But Father, as you did with your Son, will you send the legions of angels to be over your people today? So that we too may be strengthened from one day to the next. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all the glory and honor. And the people of God say, Amen.